well before we do a little toning, of course, which I always begin with, uh, now that you can hear my voice, I'll say that my talk title for today is The Voice of the New Earth. So the voice of the new earth uh, sounds like laryngitis. Uh, not really. Uh, our, our little five-year-old, she's been bringing home all kinds of fun things from kindergarten. Um, I don't know exactly what this is, but uh, now everybody's going to be like, no, don't kiss me. Um, but uh, it, it actually works into what I'm talking about today. So because the voice of the new earth is not a voice, and it's not something that's heard with the ear or seen with the eye. There's just one central key I'd like to get across to you today. But before we do that, um, I like how somebody opened up my sphere here. Somebody opened my temple. Uh, we're going to tone a sound one time. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're going to tone a sound actually three times. One word. And what this word means in ancient Aramaic um, in the Gospel of John, Yohanan, which was originally called the Gospel of the Beloved Disciple, which was originally about a woman, not a man, side note, uh, but then it was regendered and sort of squeezed into a different box, and then pulled in with several other texts. A lot of people don't really know a lot about biblical history, that's okay. Uh, but there's a, some phrases where Yeshua speaks of talking about himself being a good shepherd, uh, and, of course, when people hear shepherd in modern English, they think somebody that herds sheep. Uh, intriguingly, though, and he speaks of being the one who lays down his life, which people in modern English think, you know, his body drops and he gives his life. When what that lays down, what that really means in Aramaic is brings down that one breath, that one eternal breath to breathe through each of us, brings it down, allows it to fall into the physical, so to speak. Um, but when he talks about gathering and also shepherd, interesting word there is reya. Now, reya has a couple of meanings. One meaning for reya is something that pulls in and gathers things together, shows how things are all connected. But intriguingly, it's also an ancient Akkadian, Phoenician, and Sumerian sound that means an expanding light. So there's like a double, kind of a double meaning there of that eternal light coming down into physical form and yet also that eternal light growing through physical form to become greater at the same time in the same word. And there's certain phrases in Aramaic that are so gorgeous and poetic because he'll, raya, raya, he'll, he would use these sort of word, word poems that when you hear them in Aramaic and they sound so beautiful, but you put it into English, it just looks like a nice little concept. So what we're going to do is we're just going to tone that sound like this. Raya. We're going to make the sound Raya. And actually, I've got this little eye of Horus on me here, uh, which is also called the eye of Ra. Now, in I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. It's kind of a different subject, though it also fits in this. In between the unseen and seen worlds, the feminine and the masculine, the light and the dark, the positive and the negative, in the exact center point between the seen and the unseen lives something that in ancient Gnosticism was called a br the bridal chamber. Today, people just teach it as something that happens in a bed. But the bridal chamber is that place that's not seen or unseen. It's in the exact center between what's non-manifest and manifest, between what's invisible and purely visible, 
And right in that center point, when one can be in the bridal chamber between the seen and the unseen, you become what in ancient language was called Mashiach. Sound familiar? Mashika, Messiah, which people think today is someone that is, there's so many ridiculous uh, meanings in theology and religion about what Messiah means, but the, the Messiahs were those that walked between the worlds, between the seen and the unseen. Those who were able to navigate that bridal chamber to be in that open space of the pure heart and not fall into either one side or the other, but be able to be into that sacred balance. Now, the result of being in the bridal chamber was something that in ancient Egyptian was called Ra, which is this, which was exemplified by a guy named Horus, okay? The only begotten son of God, the lamb of God, the light of the world, uh, the good shepherd, these were all monikers for Horus, okay? And then in Christianity, it's exemplified by something called Christos, which is, it starts with an X. I've seen people say it's, it's disrespectful to write Xmas. Then you don't know your language or your Bible because that's how it's written, with an X, okay? Uh, but Christos is exactly, in Christianity, what Ra was in the Egyptian philosophies. Now, that sound Rea that we're going to tone right now is an exemplification of that sound Ra, but it's going like this. It's opening. Kind of like the word Lord, which is a ninth century feudal term that comes from Old to Middle English, which has nothing to do with Jesus or Christianity whatsoever. That word people spit out, Lord. That word in Aramaic was Maria. Or Ma-Rea, which is the sound we're making. The Mar sound means bedrock of strength. It's an Akkadian root sound. And Rea, again, means an expanding light. Okay? But we're just going to make that sound. Rea. Okay? So you don't have to be in pitch on this, uh, so you're off the hook. You don't have to have a perfect quality of voice. Have, it doesn't have to sound like the Andrews sisters or something. Um, it does occasionally. But um, what matters is that you're open and that you're letting go of any aspect of performing or performance, okay? This is about expression. It's not about making something perfect, but allowing it to manifest perfectly, which means holistically, holy, uh, in holos in the Greek, in a whole manner through you. So this is just an expression. What we're going to do is I'll tone it once, and then we'll do it together three times. So just listen to the first one. And again, speaking of blue faces, um, you're allowed to have a blue face, but you don't need to have a blue face and fall forward on the floor because you tried to last longer than everybody else. You don't have to last forever either. If you can just get out, that's okay. Just be open. So just listen. Just listen to the first one. If I hear a clunk, I'll know you didn't listen to that part. Okay? So just listen to the first one. Okay? Let's do that three times together. One more. 
Okay, back into the space of this room. Rhetorical question for you, meaning I'm not looking for an answer. I'm not even requesting that, you're, that you think a thought about this, like, oh, I feel this or I feel that. My question is, tune into how you're feeling right now, and without needing to put a label or a name or a word or a thought to it, just sense how you're feeling. The question is, how do you feel? Feels mm, nice, huh? Um, we've sort of been, what's the word? I don't want to say duped. It's a little strong. Uh, but we've been mistakenly um, advised, especially for the last few decades, about, about life and what life is and, and about creating the perfect life and all of these things that people... Um, it's, it's, been, it's so easy to kind of go and repackage someone else's stuff. A lot of people will mistake that I'm repackaging the Jesus teachings, not realizing that what I did was went back, and I'll use that as a point of reference along with many others. I went back and I, and I, and I realized that ultra original, primal, still point connection that it was coming from for him, and I brought it through for myself. Um, what we tend to do is we use other people's words and we make it into an ideology or philosophy and then we can sell it. The more easily defined it is, as an example, this. Um, y'all are lucky, number one, because I love you so much. I don't mean that per se, but you're only 45 minutes from my house. Uh, for the most part, we've pulled off the road. I've been, on, I've been teaching uh, really on a really deep level since 1991, uh, since I was 19 years old. I've been doing public events, etc. I've been doing breath work for about 23 years. Um, it's an intriguing thing for me that in all of that time, I've spent a lot of time away from home, three or four, two-hour events a week with anywhere from 20 to 1,000 people. Uh, and I've done that a long time. And I've seen over the years in a lot of sort of what some would call new thought centers, I've seen... I've. I've seen a new thought becoming old thought. I've seen it not having fresh insight and not having its own conscious whole point of entry, but constantly going back and rehashing and reparroting somebody something someone said 120 years ago or whatever. There can be some value in that, but I haven't seen a lot of fresh, awakened perspective and manifestation from this moment now. And it's an interesting thing that when you get into some of the, go towards some of the bigger, as an example, churches, uh, whether it be New Thought, Christian, whatever, they want to have, if you want to do a workshop, they need bullet points. They need five clear bullet points of what you're going to give to people and what they're going to walk away. Boil it down, boil it down, turn it into as strong of an ideology as possible so that we can more easily market and sell that, okay? And that's okay. I understand that. I get it. But... Let me show you what that philosophy looks like now. I want to show you. I've, got, I've played this bowl for you all so many times. Uh, my heart chakra crystal bowl. It's this, this beautiful tune to the key of F. Resonates with the, the heart chakra. And um, it's just the most beautiful bowl in the world that as the new earth is coming through, all these, and listen to the tone. It doesn't tone anymore, but it does this. Sounds like a church bell. Nice, huh? People were talking to me about getting it fused and, and fixed and stuff. I was like, well, no. 
No, I mean, there's a point in this. What's the point? The point is that we've been told for so long and taught so many things about creating the perfect life and your values and what's your primary purpose and your secondary purpose and all this stuff that is doing little more than just, look at this guy, little more than just finding ways to recreate my character in the dream, in this movie that I'm watching. But what's happening on the screen, which is what you're experiencing right now as a human being on earth in this dimension, this is not real. It's never been real. It's never going to be real. Science is finally confirming what the mystics have been saying for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. It's not real. What's real is that awareness that watches it. I I always have that quote from Yogananda where he speaks about uh, transferring the sense of identity from the pseudo-soul or ego back to the true inherent nature of our divinity to become the ever-joyous witness of a stupendous cosmic drama. Now, what I'm saying to you is this. All of the self-improvement and all of the heavy psychology and all of the hammering out the things you want to create in your world and working on your dreams and the secret and all of it exists only on the level of the illusion. Okay? That's okay. If you want to improve your dream, do that. But let me tell you this. You don't need to create the perfect life. We don't need to create some kind of new earth. Okay? This that we inherited with our politics and our economy. Politics is healthy, of course. Politics and economy and religion and everything just shattering and falling before our feet. We created this with with good intentions, and that's okay. Uh, All of those years of creating the perfect self and all of the values and the purpose and all that, and, and it's nice, but it's a funny thing that as the cosmos just goes through the tiniest little wiggle, just a little tiny shudder, and anybody felt intense cosmic waves in the last few months where you're just standing there and it goes, or you're looking at your relationships and it looks like things are falling apart and everything's kind of powdering down at your feet? Anybody felt anything on that level lately? And it's as if all this stuff we built for the past few decades and the perfect life The cosmos just has the cutest little like that. And that little tiny shake of the cosmic booty takes all of your cute values and purpose statements and goes and crushes it to a powder beneath your feet because it was something that was created from the illusion in the illusion to recreate the illusion. But it's an an amazing thing because... Uh, it says there's a great line in the Aramaic Lord's Prayer, which I'll tone at the beginning of our toning thing this afternoon. That's 1 to 2.30. It's only 90 minutes um, where we get in and start pro- profoundly toning and doing breath work and different things, meditation with some really sacred tones and sounds and vibrations. But um, as this, this new, new vision is coming through, and if I start to look back, at the Lord's Prayer on earth as it is in heaven. You know what that really means? It means here on the ground as it is in the sky, right? The pollution, the chemtrails, satellites. We need satellites on earth. Is that what it means? No. Where's heaven? Within, right? So all my blood and guts should be strewn out across the ground. Is that what it means? No, not necessarily. That word that's translated within also means without. Interesting. Uh, 
a lot of these things that we think of as one thing or another actually aren't two separate things at all. I'll probably revisit that before the end of the t- this talk. But on earth as it, he- as it is in heaven means that it's not coming from our cute little human thoughts and our cute little human emotions and feelings that we're not recreating from the level that our brain can even comprehend or enunciate a thought from, but rather that we're allowing ourselves to be open so that life can create organically and perfectly through us in each present moment. We've spent so much time looking here that we didn't realize that if we just allow our hearts to be open, we don't need to fix the thoughts in our head. If we get back to vibration, frequency, breath, the beating of your heart, this will actually naturally recalibrate itself. Your thoughts will recalibrate themselves. You don't need to fix them. Us attempting to create a perfect world is actually affirming our deep core belief that the world is not already whole and perfect. This is the core of everything that Ernest Holmes spoke about. It's the core of everything that Yeshua talked about. That it's already happened and you don't comprehend it. That the kingdom of God is spread out upon the earth, but men do not see it. It's already here. And um, I posted a pretty raw video about, um, I guess it was about a week ago, on YouTube about... um, healing sexual uh, abuse and trauma to embrace intimacy. And I talk about vulnerability in it also as well. And I talk about things that were done to me as a child and even as a teenager and people around me and my wife. Um, And it's a funny thing that someone posted it on YouTube and there was a man who I'm sure didn't watch the video uh, said, well, vulnerability obviously is not a good trait. And then I saw the the woman that had posted it. I just watched it. Um, I tend not to chime in on things because it becomes a sentence that people misunderstand and they haven't done their homework. There's no reason to argue something on the level of a meme or a sentence on Facebook if people haven't actually looked into it. Um, But it's an interesting thing because the root of vulnerability, the root sounds in Latin, means the ability to be penetrated. Interesting, meaning that your armor is not so thick that you're actually allowing. Now, I would say in relationship, that's the key. It's the key is being open. Not that you're holding on to whatever your ideology is, kind of like we do with creating the perfect life. And then people come around you and talk about how crappy their life, and you go, day by day in every way, I'm getting better and better and better. And you have this thick mask persona that year after year gets heavier and heavier and you're trying to cart it around when your core belief that none of your teachers are getting to is that you still feel worthless and alone and ignored and unwhole. Unwhole, is that a new word? Incomplete. You still, you still feel broken apart and fragmented. But what most of the teachers have been telling us for decades is, Buck up, little camper, fake it till you make it. Write your stuff down, hang it on the mirror in front of you. Strengthen that mask by God. Strengthen it. But the new earth doesn't work with masks. It, 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 all these, I've saw all this stuff that's been going on on social media. Oh my God, you know, Dale's so courageous and he's one of the strongest people I know. And I'm like, I sure as hell didn't feel, excuse me, I sure as heaven didn't feel strong. It's a Sunday morning, you know. Uh, Frank's not here anyway. I can say what I want, no. But I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I heard that, oh. Um, it's, it's just a funny thing that we, we create this persona, this mask that we, we relate to the world with. You know what that 
persona was called in Aramaic was called ape, which is the word translated as hypocrite. It's also the word translated as veil. The ape was a mask that an actor would wear during a divine play, and in the beginning of the play, they would have that mask on, sort of like us. And then rather than strengthening the mask and trying to make the mask whole and complete, they would realize that anything manifest is going to have some kind of imperfection. So rather than trying to recreate their thoughts from the level of the the illusion and the dream, there's nothing you've ever thought ever in your entire life that is real. You've never had a real thought because thought itself is not real. It's an illusion. What's real is that which I can't put into words, that which cannot be named. The Tao that can be named is not the eternal Tao. Why are we so afraid of silence? You ever thought about that before? What scares the crap out of us about silence? Is it because there's nothing there? It's because silence contains everything. Everything. Not nothing, no thing, because things do not exist. But it contains so much, and it's so whole and pure and unadulterated and incomprehensible because it can't perceive itself, it can only be itself, that you come into the presence of that and you go into basic overwhelm. Even the idea of chaos from a scientific perspective cannot possibly exist. There's no such thing as chaos. Chaos is, and as a matter of fact, I just happen to have a great, this is a great quote from a book that just shattered my world, The Third Ear, Joachim Ernst Berendt. Uh, Joachim German started the Berlin Jazz Festival back in 1965. And my heart was, "Ah," when I tried to contact him and found out he died like 20 years ago. Um, Do I have it here? There's a great little quote that he says here. (laughs) See, I wasn't going to say the quote. But now that I'm in the middle of it, gosh, Dale, you see, you've got yourself on the hook. This is rule number one when you're speaking is, anyway... He talks about chaos and it being essentially a complexity of manifestation that we can't even comprehend, not even necessarily manifest. I'm trying to find the exact phrase because I don't like re-quoting people and adding artistic license to it. This is uh, his way of saying from the grave that find your own thought, dude. Don't take mine. Here it is. Uh, Chaos does not exist and is merely a degree of order and harmony which our senses cannot yet perceive. Chaos does not exist, and is merely a degree of order and harmony which our senses cannot yet perceive. You know, I used to live in New York City, lived uh, in the East Village, uh, and it was an interesting thing to go down to Wall Street at 9 a.m. in the morning, and then again around 5 p.m., Because you'd see all these people, thousands and thousands and thousands of people streaming out of the subway system, just coming up like ants out of the earth. And you know what it looked like? Absolute freaking chaos. But was it really chaos? They all knew where they were coming from. They all knew where they were going to. But me, I wasn't able to hold all that at one time. The way I was able to have a deep spiritual experience was to actually stand or sit I would just sit there and breathe and be aware of my breath, basically in meditation, and watch all of this unfold before my eyes, almost like this great stupendous cosmic drama that's just breathing itself and opening and retracting, and all of this stuff that's going on around and within me. 
And it would be such a deep spiritual experience for me. And here I am, what, 20-some years later, and I see so many people trying to fix the world when the act of going to fix something is the affirmation that it's broken. And again, when you're trying to fix something in the dream, everybody forgets. Everybody's been to a movie and forgotten you're watching a movie. You can watch it on a little TV or a phone and forget you're watching a phone. I go, I've been next to people on airplanes on an iPhone this big going, oh my God, I can't believe she did that. And it's like, uh, phone, you know? <laughs> so what about this? Do you think you might occasionally forget that this actually is just some kind of divine play? Lila, Mamuna. Yeshua said you can't serve both God and mammon. Mammon doesn't mean money. Mammon means materiality in Aramaic. It means believing that this stuff is somehow real. It's, like I say, it's nice that science is finally confirming there's nothing more. There's a lot of uh, quantum theory that says that what's behind me doesn't even exist, and neither do you, and neither do I. What? Hmm. So we tried to create this perfect world, and we tried to manifest this new earth when there's really one key here that we got to remember, and that's being open. It's the key to everything is being open. Understanding that everything that we've tried to create is nice, and I even want to say it's cute. It's cute how our neat little value systems and stuff are recreating our life, and you can improve things in that manner. But if it's not something that's birthed through organically from that divine holiness, all you need is the slightest, slightest little wiggle of the cosmic rump and it's going to shatter everything you've built down into a powder. First line of A Course in Miracles, I believe it's the first line. Nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. Herein lies the peace of God. And it says several times in the Course, don't study it. Don't study the Course in the words of Dr. Michael Rice, don't study the Course in Miracles, practice forgiveness. And what forgiveness means in ancient Aramaic, shabuk, it means to remove the root of my suffering, to release the echoes of my hidden past, to be able to relate with this present moment from an organic space of holiness rather than from all of the BS belief systems that are clogging up my thoughts and, the, and, and my human persona, mask, ape, veil, hypocrite, self. Because the only way the new earth is going to be able to come through is if we let go of this. To see things as they are, infinite, infinite, without end. We can't even think of unending. Is there anyone in this room that can even picture in their mind a universe that has no end? A human being can't do it. So why would you rely on working on the level of thought if thought can't even comprehend eternity in the first place? Think about that. <gasps> you can't even think about it, can you? Your brain can uh, conceptualize it and dance around it. This is the core of why this center is here. Of course, it's called Creative Thought Center, but the key and the core of treatment, especially from the... Uh, Ernest Holmes is, in my opinion, the only human being that I've ever encountered out of studying thousands and thousands of masters over almost 30 years now 
Uh, really, I've been studying the Bible since I was seven. That's normal, right? But he's the only person I've ever encountered that I really feel got what Yeshua was speaking of about manifestation. That there's nothing, you know, there's nothing to heal, only truth to be revealed. You're not repairing something. You're not fixing or fusing. You're not bringing back health and holiness. None of that. You're allowing that sacred, undivided holiness to express itself as you. And the first thing you've got to do in that is letting go of the condition. Now, condition, some people will think let go of what you're really feeling, and it's not that per se. It's just let go of the dream because the dream is not real anyway. We're not going to have a new earth if we're not able to allow it to come through, if we still think we know what's best. And we still think that's the, the... it's the one thing for me that was a difficult lesson for me to learn is thinking that I was teaching anybody anything or that it had to do with anything I was saying because people make mistakes all the time, and that includes me. It wasn't about that. It was about is it coming through present or is it not present? Is it conscious or unconscious? Take a big breath, big in through the nose. What was the one thing Yeshua would say before so many healings? He would say, et fatah. And it's there even in the King James Bible. It says in the King James Bible, before he would heal, it says, et fatah, which in Aramaic, yes, the word Aramaic is in the, whole, in the King James Bible, et fatah, which in Aramaic means, be open. And then they would walk away, and he would say, go and sin no more. You know what that word sin means? It means missing the mark. It means that believing the dream is what's real. People say to me, how did he cast out demons? I'm like, because he didn't believe in them. Didn't believe in them. Didn't recognize them, didn't see them. And I would say all that hoo-ha-ha of be out and be cast out and all that kind of stuff is just a neat little performance for the people who can't let go of that. They can't let go of the projection. They can't let go of the divine play. They can't let go of the dream that they're in. So he does, you do those kinds of things sometimes from a place of presence and empathy to be able to help people that are still locked in the middle to be able to let, allow them to let go. You do it in whatever way they might need. That's why it was so significant for me when this broke because the sound that it makes, it sure sounds like a church bell to me. And after 20-some years of me kind of leaving, I would say, standard Christianity, although I never really bought it completely anyway, uh, I've been, it's pretty awesome that I've been working with some people to create a web portal and, and teaching systems for Christian ministers without words like chakra or energy body. Uh, and without my name attached, because if, if, if someone's in that ideology and they Google my name, their head's going to explode five minutes into the first video. So my name doesn't necessarily need to be attached because it's like taking a car from one to a thousand in, in, in 20 feet. Not necessarily a good thing. But what if we were to go back? And what if I, through people that still speak that language and aren't quite so full-on wide open luge flying down a hill like I tend to be sometimes, 
that we can actually create safe, empowering, and empathetic teachings that they can relate with, starting with ideas like hell, and where did hell come from, and when was it invented, and did you realize it's only about 900 years old? Do you realize it had nothing to do with the Jesus teachings whatsoever? Do you realize in Mark 9, 47 through 50, when it says, better to have two eyes, or one eye, than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, it says in the New International Version, when if you look in the King James, or you look in Aramaic and Greek, it says, cast down to Gehenna. Anybody know what Gehenna is? Is the city trash dump outside of the, down the hill, outside of the wall of Jerusalem. So somehow, the people who had mental and physical issues who were not allowed to walk around the inner walls of the city at night, they would be sent down to the dump where garbage was burned, and sometimes bodies of people that couldn't afford a proper burial were burned. And these worms would eat through, excuse me, would eat through the carcasses and the garbage that would fall off to the side. And it says where your worm does not die and your fire does not go out. And there's even more depth in the worm thing, which I'm not going to go into. Talehun is the word in Aramaic. But I know there's always side notes. What I'm saying is, how in the world did the city trash dump turn into the fires of hell? What have we done? So maybe that's the first thing, to be able to get in there and get the guilt, the fear, and the shame. Just start cracking that shell off. I get the greatest gift from someone overnight. I haven't replied to it yet. It, on Facebook, I think you've heard of it. Um, and about that video that I put up about shame, I think it was that, or I'm not sure what it was, and she gave an acronym of, what was it? Uh, what was the shame that I told you? Um, still, it was something basically that you already should have it all worked out. Um, God, what is it? No matter. Oh, well, so don't get into a thought you can't complete, Dale. But it was this amazing acronym, and I'll put it, I'm going to put this video up within the next couple of days on YouTube, and I'll put it on the bottom so you can see it right now. Oh, my God, it's deep, isn't it? So um, kind of like basically still expecting that you have everything worked out, that everything should already be complete and work now. Like I should already be past this. And that's kind of what shame is, something that you feel shouldn't really be there, but for some reason you can't. You just can't let it go. That's the stuff that needs to be forgiven. Why would we want to create our life from there and recreate from that level, from the echoes of the hidden past, when if we just allow ourselves to be open, life lives perfectly through you? And it creates this beautiful, enchanting fractal as it opens and creates this, this world all around you. Anybody ever seen, uh, as sort of a final thought here, um, a tonosphere or fractals on a screen, these neat little geometric patterns. Have you ever thought about where, like as an example, let me put it this way. If I were to take sand or salt and sprinkle it on this right here and put a speaker beneath it, it would create these really beautiful, gorgeous fractal patterns that look like this. This is a fractal, a Hoberman sphere. Now, what's interesting is you ever thought about what are the patterns? Where are the patterns forming in the fractal? Is it where the sound is? It's the silence. The silence forms the fractal. It's that still point threaded throughout all of manifestation, the still point of the turning world. That is what true manifestation is all about. Not all the chaos going on in your head 
It's cute. Your thoughts are very cute. They've always been cute. But I would say that 1,001%, which isn't even possible, aren't true anyway. Because they're perceiving something that's not real from the perception of the illusion itself. How accurate do you think, accurate do you think that's going to be? Kind of like you're in the woods and, oh my God, that bear. <gasps> There's a great part in uh, the Little House books. I think it's Little House in the Big Woods, the first one, where Charles Engels talks about he's coming back from hunting or maybe it was from going into Pepin, Wisconsin. Yeah, I'm a Laurel Engels fanatic. Um, I've even rubbed her writing desk where she wrote the books in Missouri. I was like rubbing it. And, oh, my God. My wife's like standing in front of the guide who said, don't touch anything. And I'm going, ah, rubbing her writing desk. Anyway, <coughs> but Charles is on his way back home to the little house in the big woods, the little cabin, and he freaks out and is screaming, yelling, and beats the crap out of an old stump, thinking that it's a bear. And that's exactly what all of this is. All the, the, what's happening with economy and politics and religion, none of it's real. Stop fighting it. Stop trying to fix that unless you're doing it consciously. It's like feeding a starving person or child because you don't want to feel the suffering that you're experiencing. But all suffering is in 100 direct proportion to your resistance. All suffering. Pain happens if you're in the manifest universe. When you try not to feel it, that's when you suffer. Let everything, as much as you're able to take, remember to take deep breaths in your life and let it go. Let go what you're fighting for. Let go what you're trying to fix. Because we weren't the ones here to fix it. We're the ones that are here to help navigate its de-evolution, its disintegration. Time and space are tearing apart from each other right now. NASA even confirms that time is speeding up and they can't get outside of time to actually monitor it. Huh? Because all of their monitoring equipment is within time, which is what this Higgs boson thing is doing in Switzerland and Italy in the Alps. It's trying to get outside of time and space. And unfortunately, science is never going to find God because their own quantum theory says that what you observe, you create. So everything they're seeing is a manifestation of their own observation. When God isn't what they can observe, God is, in the words of St. Francis, what you are looking for is what is looking. And that's where the new earth's going to come from, not from here, but from that place that you can't even comprehend. Let it happen in your relationships. When you're fighting about what you're so sure is right, just let it go. I'm not going to sing that song from Frozen. Let it go. I just did it. Just, I've heard it a thousand times. We've got a five-year-old. Um, but it's an awesome song. Well, somebody else mentioned Finding Dory or Nemo or something earlier. But you feel this? Th this is it. This is what we've got to remember. We're in the beauty of nature. We're in one of the most amazing places on the planet. There's no such thing as the chaos that we're looking at because it's not real. It's just the level of order is so complex that we can't comprehend it. So why are we even trying? If you allow yourself to be open, you'll realize, wait a second, changing my thoughts changes the film strip and the projector, but it's still just changing what's projecting on the screen. I'm not the movie on the screen. I'm not the film strip and the projector. I'm the light in the projector, but there's no screen, there's no film, and there's no projector. There's only 
So let me sum it all up with this. I still have let it go repeating in my head. No. So hopefully at one, I'd like to see a lot of your faces again and we'll have a really profound circle of toning in Aramaic and um, Mayan, Yucatec, probably some Hebrew, maybe some Greek, maybe some Egyptian, maybe some uh, East LA thrown in for good measure. <laughs> Keep it all balanced. So thank you very much for being open. Uh, and I always say namaste, amen, and so it is. Blessings on an awesome 2017 because this year is unlike any year before it, if you haven't noticed already. So thank you. For more information about Thale's work, including writings, audio, video, Thale's current appearance schedule, to schedule Thale for an appearance in your area, or to join the Aramaic Healing Circle email list, please visit www.daleallenhoffman.com Thank you for listening and for your support of Dale's work.